podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12 through 21 this morning, we've journeyed through the beginning of the early church during our Sundays together over the last few weeks. And also in our Bible studies on Wednesday evenings, we've journeyed through the Proverbs, focusing on wisdom on our Wednesday evening journeys. And to be honest, it's been a real revelation. The Lord tells us to pray for wisdom. But of course, when you read Proverbs, you can see the wisdom ooze from the pages and also the complete opposite of wisdom, the folly, the foolishness. And God's promoting us to to focus on him, to allow his wisdom to work through us. And we've seen as the early church was formed and as uh, the progression took hold, we saw God's wisdom as Peter declared the good news about Jesus, but in such a way that gave the reality, the truth and the gravity to the situation. But nevertheless, the joy of the good news that Christ is enough, that love has won, was encapsulated in the words that Peter used. The common and necessary thread then for the type of focus that we want as a church and the enthusiasm that we want a church to live for God and being an integral part of everything that he's called us to be as we've seen on Wednesdays and we've seen on Sundays the common thread is the Holy Spirit. That we want to be effective for God in everything that we do. Amen? Amen. That we don't just want to be, you know, those people who look busy. We want to be busy for the Lord. Not busy fools, but busy for the Lord. Making sure that we are adhering to his word. Doing what he's called us to do. Stepping out into the unknown. Saying, God, we don't know, but you do. Amen? Saying, God, we have limitations, but you're the God of the immeasurably more, as we're going to see today from his word. So God, encourage us, build us up, help us, Lord, step into whatever you've got for us today. We want him to be the centre of everything that we do. Kev this morning touched on Saul's conversion as he became Paul, a guy who was persecuting the early church who was desperate to shut down this thing called the way. And the Lord Jesus met him on the road to Damascus as he was on his way to go and drag Philip back to Jerusalem and imprison him. And God said, Saul, why, oh, why do you persecute me? And Paul then, as he learns, as he meets with the Lord Jesus, as he understands, as God opens up the scriptures to him and enlightens him to the bit that he's missed, The thread that he's missed, Paul then is able to pen this letter that we see to the church at Ephesus here. Chapter 3 and verse 12 through 21 is jam-packed right in the middle of this beautiful letter, a letter of encouragement. No specific reason other than to say, let's get on with it. And this prayer here is just so rich. 
I will not do it justice in the very short time that we have together. I actually attended a seminar that lasted an entire week on this subject, and I can be honest with you, that didn't touch the surface either. This is so rich. But let's see what the Lord's got to say to us. We go to verse 12 because it enlightens us to why Paul says for this reason in verse 14. He says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And the church said, Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would just speak through your word this morning. Father, you'd speak through me, that your Holy Spirit might move, that lives might be changed. Father, as we read and understand what Paul's got to say to us, that you pen through him, that, Father God, our hearts and our minds will be receptive. We thank you for this opportunity this morning. We pray, Lord, that you bless us now as we come together under your word. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. So Paul is writing to encourage them. To grow them on in the Lord. And his prayer here is central, if you like, to the letter. It's a masterpiece, this prayer. The whole letter is, but this, this specific few verses that we've got here, they're a masterpiece of wisdom and understanding. But also a clear view, I believe, as our role, of our role as the church in functioning according to the word. And according to what God has got in store for us and his love for us and the Holy Spirit's role in all of that. He begins by clearly explaining that we approach God as Christians, we approach God as a loving heavenly father. Verse 12 through 15, make that really clear. With freedom and confidence, Paul says. Isn't that amazing? That we can approach a holy God. A God who put the stars into space. A God who invented the galaxies. Who dreamt up the planets. Who said, that's going to go there. That's going to go right there. And the animals and the insects and the bacteria that we all know. God called it into being. And we, as Christians, get the... I mean, there isn't a, a superlative for it. There isn't a word that fits, but we get the chance to come before a holy, righteous creator God. Mind-boggling. And as we do that, we come to him as his children that he loves. If the first bit didn't 
blow your mind. The second bit really should. That we come to him as children who he dearly loves. So much so that he knows you completely. The word says he knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every thought before a word is on your lips. He knows it completely, the psalmist pens. This is the God we worship. This is the God who says when he loves us, he really does mean it. Because he knows us. And incredibly, he still loves us. Don't you find that amazing? I mean, I find that mind-boggling just with lol. That she knows me and she still loves me. But imagine a creator God who knows me far intimately, even than lol does. As he knit me together in my mother's womb, he knows me completely, every thought that I have, and still he loves me. How, I ask, how is that possible? But this is the God that we serve. So we come to him with freedom, with confidence. Remember then, when I say that God loves us, not only does the word tell us that God is love, but we, uh, we uncover how and why he loves us. And how it is even possible for us to come before him. We pray as his children coming before a holy God. We pray in the spirit, which of course was given by God. We pray through Jesus, who of course was given by God. In order that we can come before a holy God. Jesus made a way for us to come back to this holy and righteous God. So we as Christians then pray uh, in the spirit, through Jesus, to God. Because of our great high priest, we're able to come before him. And our great high priest is, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't go through man in order to get to God. We go through the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way. There is no other way. And because of his outstretched arms on the cross, we are able to come before this <coughs> holy God. Directly before a holy, perfect, and righteous God. And that's all pretty staggering for me, and I hope it is for you as well. But also, we discovered over the last few weeks, both Sundays and Wednesdays, that God, through his Holy Spirit, will strengthen us and empower us, as Paul prays here for the church in Ephesus. And let's have a quick look at verse 16. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28 and verse 20, during the Great Commission, we are not on our own. He said, surely I am with you always, even to the very ends of the earth. I am with you always. God, when are you not with me? I'm with you always, always. And you only have to go through the word and say, and read, never will I leave you nor forsake you. He says it over and over and over again. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. This is the promise that we have from a God who is love, who loves us. We are not on our own. As Christians, we know this, God willing, full well. Yet, we do also, as Christians, have to allow the Holy Spirit room. What do I mean by that? Well, let's have a look at verse 17. So that Christ 
may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in law, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high is the, uh, and deep is the love of Christ. Listen, we don't, as a church, ask the Holy Spirit to come in. He's already here, God willing. I've already brought him in. And so have you, if you know and love the Lord. The Bible says that we receive the Holy Spirit as our guarantee, as a deposit, that one day I will see my Saviour face to face. Amen? And that is because of what Christ has done for me. The Holy Spirit is here because he indwells in you and I that are the church, not the four walls. We are the church. But what we do, God willing, is we say, Lord, I ask that I may be filled to the full measure. Less of me. And more of you. Less of Matthew. Because he gets in the way. I get frustrated. So God must really get frustrated. My limitations and my failures. Less of me, Lord. More of you. I've shown it before. It's so simple. Watch this. Don't worry about the carpet. You see, because if, less, if there's less of me... Hang on. If we start out like this, I mean, that's not a bad feeling, is it? You'd be quite happy with that, if you're a glass half full kind of person. But you see, we want the Holy Spirit to fill us, and in order for him to fill us, well, then we have to get rid of us. And then there's a joy that happens. And this only happens when we allow God to work through us. And less of me, Matt, shut up. Do you see the effect? Well, the carpet's getting wet. I don't care about the carpet. The carpet's getting wet. Well, why? Well, because it's being affected by the filling. And the filling overflows. And the carpet gets wet. And people come to know the Lord Jesus. Because it's less of me and it's more of him. And it's so simple. Yet the reality is that we, we say, God, I've got this. And he says, Matt, you haven't. You don't need to. You don't need to, because as I fill you, you overflow and people are reached. Amen? Amen? And that is the simplicity of what the Lord is calling us to here. When he says that I want to dwell in your hearts, he's saying I want to be comfortable. The word in the Greek is katakoya, it's to down home, to put your feet up. You know when you get home this afternoon and the joggers go on? And the scruffy t-shirt goes on. And you put your feet up. And you're like. This is what the Lord calls us to. That the Holy Spirit will be comfortable within you and me. That he's not vying for position. Matt get out of the way. But that he downs, he downs home. That he is comfortable within us. And when that's the case the overflowing happens. Because it's not me. It's him. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And this church is the way that the church will continue to grow. Because God has said, the Lord Jesus has said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't stand against it. And we are the church. And if we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us completely, then we will be overflowing. 
And we will reach people for Christ. He will use people like you and me. How do I know? He's the God of the immeasurably more. He can use people just like us. Mind-blowing. But that is what God does. And this is the power of us together as the church, as unity, unified on that mission of reaching people for Christ. All of what we do then, church, is centred around God. And we know, don't we? We know that God is love. Not least of all, because 1 John 4 and verse 16 tells us that God is love. But God said, I so love you that I'll give my son. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. That love then, God's love, is what we see here. The Greek again is agape. It's an unconditional love. It does not require anything in return. God loves you in spite of you. And you know what? Even when we said, God, I do not want anything to do with you, an enemy of the cross, God still loves you. While we were still sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. That is unconditional love. That is a love that goes beyond our understanding. And as Paul pens, says, it goes beyond our knowledge. It surpasses our understanding. But it's a love that's ever reaching. It's ever giving. It's not looking for return. And church, Paul's calling us here to say, church, this should ooze from us. The cup is filled to the brim. It overflows. It keeps on giving. It flows so that people are reached. And by God's goodness and his grace and his mercy, that lives are changed. Paul says this love surpasses knowledge in verse 19. But we experience it. We've experienced it. We continue to experience it. And God willing, we allow it to flow from us. And its depth, church, is beyond our understanding. This side of glory, perhaps even the other, as the angels look into what we have, and even they're baffled. Like, how is that possible, God? How would those inferior people who do not desire to know you, yet you gave your best for them? How? And this is the the privileged position that we sit in. Yet then, as the church, if we step back, and we view God's church, and we've been specific over that, what God's church looks like over the past few weeks. As we sit in view of God's church, if we step back and have a look, what should we see? Church, we should see agape love in action. We should see unconditional love. We should see that clearly on display. And Paul then goes on to close the prayer in verse 20 through 21. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He is the God of the immeasurably more. We've seen it as we've looked together over the two different areas over the past few weeks and months as we've looked in the word together. But also we've experienced it in our lives. We've seen its transforming nature. That God's love is able to transform people like you and me. 
people who were on our way to a Christless eternity, turned us 360 and brought us 180 even, and brought us back to the Lord. And this is the joy that we have. He is able to do more than we ask or imagine. God doesn't fail. He has already won. Church love has won. The chains have been broken. And here we are as the church, a direct result of all that God has done for you and for me. So our prayer then, with wisdom and power through the Holy Spirit, our prayer is that God help us to push forward. God help us to push back boundaries. Father, help us to reach people for you. Help us to love, Lord, as you've called us to love. Help us to live how you've called us to live. Father, help us to be less of me and more of you. Help us, Lord, to stand firm in the midst of trial. Help us, Lord, to be brave and bold and courageous. That, Father, we would not back down. But, Lord, that we would push forward for you, knowing that you're in control. You've already got tomorrow in hand. Lord, help us to be that church that is dedicated to your word. And that is willing to step out, even when it seems completely impossible. And as we do that, as we allow God to fill our lives, we get back, uh, we get the opportunity to sit back and watch him do the immeasurably more. And church, make no mistake about it, he absolutely does it every single time. Even when you think he cannot do any more, he does more than I ever thought or imagined possible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we want to thank you this morning for your word. Father, for its encouragement, its blessing. And we pray, Lord God, that you would just speak into hearts today. Father, we want to be a church that loves you. Father, we want to be a church that just overflows with your love. Father, the Holy Spirit would fill us. Father, be less of me, more of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we would serve you wholeheartedly. Father, we push forward for you. Father, we wouldn't be deflected or distracted, but Lord, that we would seek your face. We would centre our lives on you and that we would push forward for you. Again, Lord, we thank you for the past few weeks and months that we've had together as a church in our Bible studies, Father, in our Sunday mornings. And we pray, Lord, as we step into a, another new chapter, that you would just be with us and bless us. Father, we look forward to all that you've got in store. We ask all of these prayers in and through our Saviour's precious name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.